listening to MageCast, sponsored by Buzzsprout, supported by patrons on Patreon, part of the Little Fella Media Podcast Network, and filled to the brim with all sorts of arcane magics. This episode is the second entry in our Chrono Trigger trilogy of podcasts, and I myself, with my highly coveted guest, Ryan of Retro Game Brews, really dug deep into the story this time around. And we ask, as ever, the hard questions. As always, your sharing, your comments, your questions, and your support are much appreciated. Enjoy the show. Hey there, Time Lords. This is Moses, the trigger warning Norton, a.k.a. the well-read mage. How the heck are ya? Thanks for tuning in to this second episode of our Chrono Trigger trilogy series, mini-series of podcasts. Let me be clear as to what we mean there. There was some confusion with Chrono Trigger Trilogy podcasts. I am not talking about a theoretical Chrono Trigger Trilogy. There is none. There's Chrono Cross, Radical Dreamers, and Chrono Trigger, of course. Chrono Break, Chrono Resurrection, they don't exist. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, But tonight I'm sitting down with uh, Ryan, a.k.a. Retro Game Brews Podcaster streamer, retro gamer, social media personality, <laughs> internet, I'm not done, internet sensation, <laughs> man with a beard and a charming smile, the valiant, the, a man who has the magnetic capacity to bring people together and have them duke it out brutally over retro games. <laughs> retro game brews, how are you? I'm doing great. That was a heck of an introduction. I don't know. Hey, I, I said I was going to wing it. Right. And I, <laughs> and I don't know if I'm going to be able to live up to the hype, man. That was insane. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, uh, I meant every word. So uh, thanks for joining me tonight. I appreciate it. Yeah. Looking forward to it. I heard this is the second one, which, you know, if we go by uh, playground rules as a kid, first is the worst. Second is clearly the best. So right. I'm excited. Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> this is the Empire Strikes Back of Chrono Trigger Trilogy podcast. And it should end on so. a terrible down. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is where you reveal that you're my, my father. Um, so uh, by way of introductions further, mm-hmm. what are you playing right now? And uh, and what are you planning right now? It's a good question. You're, you're always planning. You're kind of a planning guy. So. I would agree with that. But right now I am playing uh, Turtles in Time. So ironically enough, it's a podcast that we've done together for Magecast. Yes. What's Turtles in Time? And the reason that I am playing Turtles in Time is that uh, September 18th is going to be our RGB High Score live event, which uh, we do uh, kind of monthly, uh, one Wednesday each month starting at 730 Central Standard Time, and this month's contest is going to be Turtles in Time. But we're not doing your, your you know, your typical run through of it. It's actually a time trial mode, which I know, I know that not everyone is terribly familiar with. But uh, there are three different time trials that that we go through, so people are going to play kind of best of five, if you will, uh, for it, and it should be a lot of fun. But I always like to play the games prior to. Uh, the the tournament itself, so I'm you know fresh in my mind and much more familiar. Even though that's a game, of course, that I've played a thousand times before. Anyway, oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, for sure. So time trial mode, I don't think I've even played that myself. Mm-hmm. It's actually really tough, surprisingly. So you only get one life, of course. So you die, it's over, uh, and it's obviously a race to knock out as many enemies as you can. In you know. 
uh, each section of the stage has a few different enemies, and you're basically running against the clock trying to find what's the best strategy to do it. And <clears throat> sometimes it's uh, it's pretty brutal. So you still have to fight the to fight the bosses. You don't. So what it does is, so oh, for cool. example, uh, so if you're talking about like Big Apple 3 a.m., you play most of where the bad guys are. You won't play the entire uh, map itself, but you'll play snippets of it. And then after that, it actually takes you to the Technodrome for two more fights. So kind of cool. Okay. Yeah. That's legit. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's playing and planning. Planning. So uh, we are coming up with a new podcast concept. Mm. Oh, yes. I almost choked on my water. <laughs> but I already know what it is. Right? I just get excited. <laughs> well, you've been a part of two of those episodes so far. So uh, without revealing a whole lot, we are coming up with a new video game slash story re- related podcast. It's, uh, it's going to be a little bit shorter than the usual stuff that I've done in the past. So episodes are about uh, you know rough order of magnitude about 30 minutes long but it's it's a chance to tell some stories about what video game effects of you know what effects video games have had on on your life and uh, a chance to share that with uh, with good friends great yeah and a positive a very positive uh podcast concept For which sure. is awesome there's a lot of Whining and nitpicking. Anyway, <laughs> what else you got going on? Uh, outside of that, it's just uh, we are doing another RGB High Score live, or rather RGB High Score Season 3. So Genesis is coming up. It's a contest that we've done on Twitter. Actually started around this time last year. We did uh, Nintendo Entertainment System. And in uh, the springtime, we did Super Nintendo, which was a roaring success, which I'm really happy about. And this season, we're doing... Uh, Genesis, and basically it's a weekly contest. So each week we announce a game. The idea is to try to get the highest score possible. You submit it through a post via Twitter, and you would be eligible for some crazy prizes. So, yeah, Sega, are you getting the Sega Genesis Mini? Oh, absolutely. And in fact, uh, it kicks off right after RGB High Score Live uh, on the September 18th. It's going to be the first day in which Season Three is available to play. So that's when basically the mini Genesis will be out. So I'm excited about that too. So, and we picked yeah. a lot of games that are going to be on that Genesis mini. That's cool. That's cool. I would participate, but I'm not too familiar with Genesis games. But I did pre-order that Genesis mini because I think that looks like it rocks. Right, like 42 games, uh, dude. Yeah. And some games on there, I'm like, how did they get past the license? <laughs> like the Wily Wars, for example. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that's super cool. I mean, a new Mega Man game to me, brand new. Never mm-hmm. played it. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. For awesome. Sure. So there's plenty to look forward to, folks. RGB High Score Season 3, that's going to be cool. I participated in Season 2. Definitely check it out. Um, you know, sometimes you might think, eh, I don't really play competitively. I just play for fun. But you know what? There's, a, there's an element of competitive play that is really enjoyable. So uh, it was pretty new to me to play competitively in Season 2 for the Super Nintendo. But uh, I found it highly enjoyable. It was great. And also, and, I'll, I'll add to it, if, if you submit one score, you'll be eligible for a prize pack. So uh, you could win a random drawing just by submitting one score. Even if it's one point or it's a billion points, uh, you might win something cool. Hey, so I'm probably going to do that then. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so tonight we're going to talk about, not on the Sega Genesis, but on the Super Nintendo, we're going to talk about Chrono Trigger, released in 1995 by Squaresoft. This is Magecast, episode 26, Trigger Warning. 
Uh, and that's the title and also a trigger warning because we're going to say controversial things in this podcast Indeed. about Chrono Trigger, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, so uh, last time I, we, we always kind of start off with sort of memories and impressions and I, I really wanted to capture yours. Um, I thought I shared most everything that was important to me about sort of first impressions um, with Chrono Trigger, except, and this is appropriate for this episode since we're going to be focusing a lot on the story, um, I once attempted a novelization of Chrono Trigger. Really? On a typewriter. (laughs) With like, yeah. So this was was back in 1942. No. Um, I, I must have been, what? 12 or something like that and i thought it would be really cool to do a novelization i made it through the millennial fair to the time warp and realized that it would be pretty dang hard to write a novel where the main character says nothing the whole time so i I gave up (laughs) but maybe someday there'll be a well-read mage novelization of chrono trigger but for you, sir, what was the first time that you played Chrono Trigger? Do you remember? I do, because it, it was fairly recent. Uh, so I didn't really get into JRPGs until much later in life. I think I'm, it, my experience is fairly common with most people in North America, where Final Fantasy VII was really the, the catalyst to, to enjoying turn-based combat and RPGs and, and, and good storytelling. Up until that point, it was beat-em-ups, and it was fighting games, and it was you know first-person shooters and that kind of thing. Uh, so my experience with uh, Chrono Trigger was probably about three or four years ago. Got a chance to get a copy at a local game store. And this is a game that, of course, people put a lot in high regard. So naturally, the first time I tried it out, uh, I was a bit skeptical. But I will tell you from the moment you get to that Millennial Fair in Lean Square... Uh, I was hooked. I mean, you get to play all of these really fun uh, carnival games, and <laughs> you're betting on uh, you know the Green Ambler or the Steel Runner, all those guys. And, <laughs> and to me, that was fun. That was something like, wow, they they took the time to really hook you into this to have a little bit of fun up front. And you know what? Mm-hmm. You didn't have to advance the story any more than you really needed to. And then up once you get into the story itself, it hooks you again because uh, one of the the aspects of Chrono Trigger is that it's the gameplay and the combat is a lovely mixture uh, between kind of action RPG slash turn-based menu-based RPG and I think it it marries it perfectly so all of a sudden it's uh, you know the experience you get from like Secret of Mana and the experience you get from Final Fantasy 6 kind of perfected in a way so Mm. and and then as you continue to go through it there's so many different choices that you make and just experiences that you have along the way I mean, it seemed like I was on the edge of my seat at every moment, but there was also a part of me that didn't want to leave a particular scene because I was enjoying it so much. So Mm. um, it took me hours upon hours. I mean, uh, I probably put 100 hours into my first playthrough of this just to make sure I hit every single piece of it. And I'll I'll be honest with you, I'm somebody who likes to jump into RPGs uh, blind the first time around. Mm -hmm. But this one, it just for some reason, after... You know, making a pit stop at the Millennial Fair, I thought to myself, you know what, I, I really want to experience the full uh, JRPG. Because usually what I'll do is I'll go through, uh, play it blind, and then go back and say, wow, what, you know, what did I miss? But this one, I just I wanted the full experience right from the get-go. And uh, I love it. It's my favorite game, and it's a game that I play at least once a year. Typically, wow. you know, December time frame. Wow. 
There's a couple things in there I wanted to hit on. One is you mentioned uh, sort of this this beautiful fusion of combat. Mm-hmm. It's sort of at the toward the end of the real popular traditional combat that's right. just straight turn based, random encounters, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Right. Um, and they started to play around Square did with the active time battle system, the ATB system, to try and give uh, these turn based battles a little more dynamism. But it kind of was a stepping stone toward the action RPGs that we see or that are so prevalent today. Right. Um, and I think that when people think of a lot of traditional JRPGs, they think about, you know, the grind and the random battles, especially if they're, you know, a really high encounter rate. Right. Uh, and Chrono Trigger doesn't really have those things. No. Like there's not there's no grinding in Chrono Trigger. Um, there's no, yeah, having to deal with random encounter rates. So that's something that definitely, um, I think, probably appealed to you as someone who played it later in life. For sure. um, like, this is a game that, for me, I had all the time in the world when I first played it. I had, like, an entire summer, like, months to just Ooh, play this game. So yeah. jealous. <laughs> yeah, and for you as an adult, I mean, it's hard for me to grasp playing it as an adult mm-hmm. for the first time. But this is this what I really wanted to hit on in what you said is this is something that I think is hugely important, like document this for the sake of history, that you played this game as an adult without any nostalgic attachment to it as a child right. and came to the same conclusion based on the evidence within the game that, dude, this game is amazing. Absolutely. It's truly something special. And the beauty of it is that there's a lot of choice. So you said, you know, you don't have to, to grind uh, because you're right. There, You level up pretty quickly. And as far as your hit points to, to damage, it's fairly well balanced. There isn't a whole yeah. lot to it. So there isn't a really a point in the game in which you have to be overly cautious. Like you're going to get wiped out too quickly unless you're talking about fighting Lavos maybe a little bit. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, like difficulty spikes. Sure. Like I just finished Zelda 2. There's mm. freaking difficulty spikes all over that thing. Uh, it's hugely unbalanced, mm-hmm. but even difficulty spikes in other classic JRPGs where you have to stop and grind for hours right. in order to beat the next boss. In Chrono Trigger, it's sort of this seamless thing where you never feel like you're hugely overpowered, right? and then you never feel like you're underpowered. And, and to that point, though, if, if I say I wanted to grind and I wanted to go after Lavos the first time you can attack him and for anybody who's not familiar of course Lavos is the end boss <clears throat> but uh, the first time you make it to the end of time hashtag spoilers uh, you can fight him right <laughs> away right yeah. and if yeah. you wanted to and I will admit I, I have done that <laughs> right <laughs> Uh, not your I first just, playthrough? <laughs> not the first playthrough, thankfully. Oh, okay. Because like I said, I got a guide, so I did all of the everything. But that's one of the other aspects we'll talk about, I think, in a little bit, but is, yes. is the replayability of it uh, to try to get all the endings. But that that one time where I said, all right, you know what? I'm going to be able to beat Lavos you know, right from that moment. So I chose to grind. I went back into you know places where there were extra enemies and, and, and did what I needed to do in order to get my levels up. So it's it's a lovely choice-heavy game uh, that allows you to pick and choose what your adventure is going to be like. Yeah, and I think that player choice is real important. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you feel locked in by a game. That's not fun. Where a game's a prison. Well, it's like Dragon mm-hmm. Warrior, right? If you cross a bridge, uh, good luck. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I've especially never if you're not ready. Played a Dragon Warrior, so 
You've never played Dragon Warrior? No, no, no. All right, so uh, what I'll tell you this is if you're ever going to play Dragon Warrior, uh, the first two you need to play on Game Boy. I think it's a Game Boy Color version because they've okay. taken the immense amount of grinding that you need to do and scaled it back. Like nice. by That's half. Great. And just, oh, wow. just think about that. And in the same sense, you're still going to have to grind a crap ton. <laughs> so take that into context. Okay. But, I mean, they're, uh, if you if you like turn-based RPGs, there's a lot of fun in those, too. But, uh, again, we'll kind of get, get a little bit off track in regards to Chrono Trigger. I think Chrono Trigger, of course, does it so much better. Uh, mm-hmm. Where, uh, uh, you know, there isn't a, a moment where you're spending time just to spend time hitting the A button, uh, getting through battles. You know, this is, yeah. there's some purpose to everything that you do. Yeah. So since we are going to focus on story, this is a uh, spoilers podcast. I like to remind listeners, every mage cast is technically a spoilers podcast. Uh, I didn't really have to say that for the Tetris episode, but <laughs> for this <laughs> for this story heavy episode where we're going to be talking about Chrono Trigger's narrative, definitely spoiler heavy. So uh, if you're listening, that's your warning right now. If you've never played this game before, please do play it for yourself enjoy everything it has to offer then come back and listen to the episode uh real briefly i just wanted to run down sort of the premise of the game so we don't have to do for those who don't know lavos is this giant alien porcupine that's been (laughs) festering in the heart of the air so basically you've got these teenagers they they go to the millennial fair uh they go to this uh teleportation device there's an accident and accidentally sends one of them to the middle ages her name was marley chrono pursues her finds that uh, she's been mistaken for her ancestor who's the queen of the kingdom of guardia um so they're like well okie dokie but turns out since she's been mistaken for the real queen the real queen is still kidnapped and therefore will not be rescued so there's a time paradox it'll wipe marley from existence so luca chrono's brainy friend shows up they go and rescue the real queen they go back to the present age their time and discover that chrono has been Chrono has been blamed for kidnapping Marley, so he's put on trial. They sentence him to prison. He escapes. They're backed into a corner. They jump into a time portal again and are sent to the far-flung, grim, dark future where everything's wasted and ruined. They're like, what the heck happened? (laughs) They discover that Lavos, this uh, thing that's been in the Earth, this entity, uh, rises out in the year 1999. Mm -hmm. And I played this in, like, 96 so that was like spooky for me, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> in the year 1999, and it's AD too. I forgot I was going to mention that. It's Anno Domini. It's 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 the, the year of the Lord. Like, yeah, like and it's like BC when you go before that. So it's like it's like yeah, you've got like reptites fighting like humans. You've got like you know flying magic islands in the ice ages. You've got all these things in the middle of that. Jesus Christ is born, and then, <laughs> and then you've got like a frog. Uh, yeah. I always thought it was silly as a kid. So anyway, they discover that Lavos, this entity, rises out of the ground in the year 1999, destroys everything, and only a few human beings are sort of surviving in the future age. So these teenagers decide, hey, we're going to stop Lavos, which I thought was funny. Would you... Okay, if that were you... Sure. Like, you and two chicks, your friends, (laughs) are like in the... (laughs) Uh, essentially, or uh, in the in the future, and you discover like on a panel that they're like, "Here's how the Earth was destroyed." Would your first thought be, "I'm going to stop this"? Probably not. Uh, yeah. Judging by the fact that 
let's be honest, uh, up until this point, you're, you're not exactly the strongest fighter in the world. So for you to be like, you know what, I'm going to take on the thing that created the apocalypse, uh, it's, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's, it's, it's a stretch. It's a far-flung... <laughs> ambitious yeah. idea but again as teenagers isn't that the kind of thing is when you're young you feel invincible so take I don't on know. the I'll, world I right guess. so maybe i'm looking at this too much from like an old man's perspective because <laughs> <laughs> i was thinking about that today i was like man even like from a fatalistic deterministic sense i would just be like it already happened can't change it <laughs> right. if we went back it would just cause a time paradox and then it would destroy the timeline so <laughs> let's just go back and enjoy our last years anyways so um, a bunch of hijinks later, <laughs> they decide, you know, that all these things, they gain all these characters, a robot, a frog, a cave woman, a sorcerer. Uh, I think that's everybody. And, you know, they, they travel at different times and sort of discover the origins of Lavos and how different people were attempting to use his power over time mm-hmm. and how Lavos was affecting uh, the evolution of life over millions of years. Um, and so eventually they arrive at the conclusion, which is the destruction of Lavos. But since this is a time travel game, you get to approach that in a lot of interesting ways. One of the cool things about Chrono Trigger, as we've mentioned, is player choice. That means openness. This is not a very linear game. It is to an extent maybe about half, two, two-thirds through. Mm-hmm. And then the last chunk of the game, you get to kind of chase things down, chase down loose ends in the story however you like. And I thought that's a that's a really cool thing to do. Um, so you mentioned that this is your your favorite game of all time. Correct. Yep. What did it dethrone? Oh, that's a good question. Huh. I mean, I would imagine it was something on Super Nintendo uh, up until that point. So I, it actually might be Turtles in Time. Uh, oh, wow. Or it might be Final Fantasy VII. So one of those two, I think. Uh, okay. Yeah, Final Fantasy VII. I've got a lot of nostalgia for it because it got me into that genre. Uh, oh yeah. And I, and I remember sitting in my basement playing it with my brother, which is like you know uh, what Twitch was before Twitch existed. <laughs> was, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you playing an RPG and next to your your sibling uh, <laughs> while they're going, yeah, yeah they you should you should go get the thing. <laughs> yeah, that was me and my and my kid brother was like fifteen year old, fifteen years younger than me. Sure. And uh, yeah, commenting and all that. So, uh, so your favorite game, uh, this might be way too huge. Is it the goat? Is it the greatest game of all time? In my opinion, humble opinion, absolutely. 100%. Wow. How would you back, like, just in two seconds, how would you back that up? In two seconds? Wow. That's like... <laughs> Time's uh, up. No, oh. just kidding. <laughs> uh, it is perfection. I mean, it's everything that you would want out of a game uh, and then some. Uh, there are so many elements into every game. So, I mean, think about it. it all the genres that are out there, that, that the fun aspects of them can be found here in, in certain bites. If, if not the whole game itself, at least in certain bites. So it has appeal for everyone. Uh, mm. And for me, a game that, that has a story that can make me emotional, uh, like this game can, is something that's profound to me, especially I will say as an adult. Like when I was a kid, and Aerith or Aerith, depending on who you ask, Aerith uh, died, Jack. right? <laughs> died for the first time in Final Fantasy VII. Sure, I shed a tear, but now as an adult, it's like eh, whatever, <laughs> right? But this game, uh, when I when you you know frog's story and the the conclusion of that uh towards the end of it when uh you're saying all the goodbyes to all the characters all that stuff i mean that 
that's that's a that's a heartwarming, uh, often somber and sad. And, and the biggest one for me though is if you go back uh, with Luca on her time trial, uh, mm. back through time after the you know the campfire scene, she saves her mom from being mangled by yeah. one of her dad's inventions. And to me, that that like hit really, really hard because, as you know, and I think we've we've talked about this before. I unfortunately had a, a best friend who passed away, and that that was always something for me that you know, man, I wish I could have gone back in time and and, and prevented that. Stopped so it. right, wow. so yeah. uh, that's where it definitely hit the heartstrings on that. But it, again, as a game, if it can do that for me, that's. That's the same experience as reading Lord of the Rings for the first time, or oh, you yeah. know, getting involved in uh, your favorite movie for the first time. It's it's that good that mm. it sticks with you no matter what. Mm. Presentation, man. I remember uh, the scene where you see in flashback um, Glenn mm-hmm. uh, attempting to stop uh, Magus and his cronies, and it's when he's cursed and turned into the frog. Right. But uh, he's sort of struck by magic, stumbles off this cliff, falls into a pool at the bottom. And when the camera focuses down on him, you see that he's changed. Uh, and that moment, I was playing uh, the game over again for the umpteenth time. And my <laughs> wife and my kid brother were watching. And they went utterly silent we, mid-conversation. We were sort of talking and kind of reading the the dialogue. And when that happened, the room just fell silent. Uh, it, it's, it's something that it's kind of hard to grasp even because you've got all kinds of sort of visual hurdles. You've got the graphics for those that are not too accustomed to playing 16 bit games. And you've got sort of the playful cartoonishness of it all. Mm -hmm. But Chrono Trigger is able to, despite, or maybe because of those things, um, transcend itself and reach out and grab you by the heart For sure. uh, in these few few scenes. One of the characters that I always thought, and we'll talk more about characters later, um, that's really tragic is Magus. Yes. This idea that, you know, he goes to look for his big sister and never finds her. Right. And even to the point in which they never f- flesh out the rest of that story, at the end yeah. it's, are you going for Shala? Of course, he is stoic and doesn't say anything, but you know it's coming, and and all you you thinking to yourself is, "Oh man, you know we've wrapped up so many of these stories. Uh, I wish I could see that too." Yeah, amazing. Uh, dang it, I can't believe you said Shala. I'm gonna catch flack from ABXY. Oh, why? <laughs> I say I say Scala, and he he said I, he wanted to puke when I said it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll throw one at, another one at you. I say Marl. Rather than Marley, <laughs> I think he said Marla. Um, <laughs> but like, so yeah, screw that name. That name's like impossible to pronounce. <laughs> um, <but laughs> anyhow, um, another thing I wanted to touch on is uh, the idea of time travel sure. uh, as a story um, theme and a game mechanic. Um, this is not the only time traveling game, of course. Right. But I think it's one where time travel is presented very interestingly. Right. Um, as sort of a concept within the game, you're kind of... There's there's teases of chasing down uh, paradoxes and playing around with um, messing with the timeline and creating new timelines and that sort of thing. Something right. that's picked up on in uh, the sequel, Chrono Cross. But 
for this, I just thought it was really interesting that you could say go to the past and teach sort of this guy's ancestors charity and then come back to the present and this guy would be like all charitable. Like that's amazing. Right. To think about in in a genre typically in which um, there's a lot of uh, stagnation. There's right. this might not be the the best word, but where, where things sort of remain the same throughout the entire story. Uh, NPCs really don't change, you know, that drastically as they do quite frequently in Chrono Trigger. Well, and I think that if you're going to use NPCs and that you're going to change in some capacity, it's going to be something that's quick to push the story along. Where mm-hmm. this, it's because it's it's so constant and, and it requires you to to be strategic about how you make decisions. Uh, that these NPCs actually have much more of a characterization than they do in most RPGs, mm-hmm. which I love. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think yeah. about like the Chancellor and the Mayor and all of those quirky uh, guys that you're rooting against, but then you find out more of their story and then you become, you know, a fan or you're rooting for, it just, it makes it so much more fleshed out. Oh, and it's stuffed full of amazing NPCs. Masa and Moon, uh, Melchior, Gaspar and uh, Belthazar, uh, Queen Zeal, Skala or Shala, however you like to pronounce it. (laughs) I told him that uh, I say school and schedule, not schedule, like a British person. So that was my excuse. But anyway, anyway, he I'll wants to. He wants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how do you pronounce gato? Gato, obviously. Come on. Um, so yeah, if you're into time travel stories, sure. I think this is one of the best that you could find, uh, especially in that it allows you to play around with. Um, elements of of the of time travel. So mm-hmm. a lot of that early part of the game that I described earlier in my spur of the moment synopsis um, is very linear in that you're kind of forced into the next timeline. Right. Um, eventually, you get to explore um, time periods. Rather, you get to explore time periods to your heart's content and start to make these different changes and play God in a sense, almost with these right. NPCs. Uh, I mean, these are teenagers for crying out loud. <laughs> and, and again, it's kind of kind of picked up in Chrono Cross where like they didn't really know what they were doing and they just like mangled mangled the 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 time timeline. So, and I'll say, is it like a storytelling element? Time travel to me is it, if it's not done well, it makes the story so much worse. Where I think mm. that it becomes like a campy thing, where time travel just allows you to push uh, a particular narrative because you couldn't come up with something a little bit more inventive. Where I think that this is the opposite, where time travel itself almost feels like it's a character, right? Mm, yeah. Where it's it's a part of the element. In fact, I mean, the, the, the time travel ship that you have, you have the right to change the name of it. Uh, so it becomes a part of of the the story itself rather than just a a trope to get to the next thing. Yes. Very well said. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, It's something that is not just sort of surface value. It's not a superficial kind of attack on thing Mm -hmm. in Chrono Trigger. This is something that embraces time travel uh, as an idea and as a gameplay, almost as a puzzle kind of element at some points for sure. Like figure out how to, you know, get to this item from this temporal angle. Um, so time travel, time travel, time travel, pretty cool in Chrono Trigger. Um, yeah. 
Now, to touch briefly on this series, uh, you mentioned to me before that you haven't played anything else. Correct. Uh, in the Chrono, the so-called Chrono series, like two and a half games. <laughs> so uh, Chrono Cross, I would definitely recommend to you uh, to oh, try a, it sometime. It's a good one? Yeah, it's it's not Chrono Trigger. Uh, okay. Well, you have to get that out of the way. Gotcha. Uh, nothing can be Chrono Trigger. We, we made a big to-do on the last episode about the Dream Team, um, uh, the, the collection of unique personalities and talents and experiences that put this game together cannot be reproduced right um so chrono cross is very much a different animal in terms of gameplay in terms of themes characters everything um but it does tie up a lot of loose ends in chrono trigger so that's that could be of interest to you Um, and it has an amazing soundtrack incredible soundtrack um by same guy yasunori mitsuda so there's Chrono Cross, the direct sequel to Chrono Trigger. Um, there is Radical Dreamers, which is a text-based adventure um, <laughs> that was... Yeah. <laughs> Have you heard of this before? Not at all. No, this is the okay. first time. So um, if that's you as well listening and you've never heard of Radical Dreamers, you need to go to the wellreadmage.com and search Radical Dreamers. Uh, one of our mages, the regional exclu- regional exclusive mage very appropriate name for this game uh reviewed it he managed to buy a uh, fan translation cartridge and played it for himself on his super nintendo so yeah so it is um it was japan only uh so far as i know uh you can get fan translations but it basically followed uh surge kid and guile or i think they call them gill in radical dreamers as they go and break into this mansion and try to find this treasure thing. So it does tie a little bit into Chrono Trigger. Um, mm-hmm. Gil is Magus, I believe, in Radical Dreamers under a different gotcha. persona. Gotcha. So, yeah, if, if you want to kind of know what happened to Magus. Um, but when you get to Chrono Cross, Chrono Cross is kind of an expansion of Radical Dreamers. Um the Radical Dreamer's story takes place right at the beginning of Chrono Cross. So Magus was supposed to, apparently, during development, he was supposed to be in uh, Chrono Cross, um, and they were going to sort of resolve his story. But they wrote him out eventually because they wanted to focus on uh, a plethora of characters. I think Chrono Cross has like something like 40 playable characters. Wow. Um, yeah. Which, if that sounds like a problem... It is. <laughs> so <laughs> so <laughs> there's almost no way to make that many characters unique and no, playable. It's, it's like Final Fantasy V where they're just trying to, to throw as many characters in at, at any given time. And it just becomes this cluster F, if you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, some people like Chrono Cross. Like the guy I'm going to be talking with. The amazing, award-winning 16-bit dad. We're going to be talking about Chrono Cross. He prefers it over Chrono Trigger. Um, another friend of mine prefers it over Chrono Trigger as well. It's a different kind of game. So, anywho. Um, but that is Chrono Cross. It's a very fascinating idea. You do kind of get to find out what um, what happens to Scala as well. Uh, and what happens to Lavos. Um, so, yeah. Worth playing. Now, there were also going to be, at some point in time... Uh, there was going to be a, a game called Chrono Resurrection, which uh, – have you heard of that before? 
No, it's, um, to me, if if it wasn't Chrono Trigger, I don't know if I. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> like, and best time in finding out. I definitely want to ask you here too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Chrono Resurrection, I believe, was supposed to be a fan made three D remake of Chrono Trigger. Hmm. So, sort of like the jump from sixteen bit to Super Nintendo to the N sixty four type thing. Um, it's an interesting idea. There's some assets you can look up out there on Google, Chrono Resurrection, and uh, they look cool. They're, they look beautiful. It's interesting to see these characters in 3D. But, of right. course, Square slapped a huge you know, cease and desist on that. Ugh, um, so there is no Chrono Resurrection. Another uh, theoretical game that I don't know how far was being worked on or, or what was called Chrono Break, which would have been a third game um, in this tiny series. Mm-hmm. But that as well was shut down. So with um, you know the, the idea of a sequel, and I think you already hinted at your answer, but uh, will we ev- what do you think? Will we ever see another Chrono game? Do we want to see another Chrono game? Uh, I mean, with the resurgence of all of these old games beginning remakes or, uh, you know, reskins, that kind of thing, I think that it's possible. I mean, they already did the, you know, 3DS version where they upped the graphics on this. So mm-hmm. is it possible? So, Certainly. And so we're talking about new game, absolutely. Right. Like a like a, a new sequel. Would you, gotcha. would you be excited for that if tomorrow they were like, dude... Chrono Trigger Shattered Memories hashtag 64 is coming out. So, well, 64. Uh, that, uh, <laughs> you got me Chrono Triggered. <laughs> uh, trigger warning. Go ahead. <laughs> and for those of you who are not in on the joke, I'm, I'm no fan of our, our 64-bit uh, Nintendo console. But uh, you can Everybody judge me. That's, that's that. fine. It's my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I get why some people like it, and it's just not for me. That's all. But nonetheless... <laughs> Uh, so, for me, it, I'll give you an analogy here. Okay. I, I grew up with the VHS tapes of uh, Star Wars, and I remember watching them religiously time after time after time as a kid, and then I remember being super excited for Episode One: The Phantom Menace mm. as a kid, and in fact, I went to a birthday party that was at the theater when they were playing it, and that was the biggest letdown for me as a kid because it just didn't have the same feeling. It didn't mm-hmm. invoke the same emotions. And mm-hmm. yeah, sure, it might be nostalgia, but uh, I don't know if I necessarily have nostalgia for Chrono Trigger. All things considered, I played it you know, a number of years ago for the first time. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's, it's difficult to, to get to bring back that same experience. It's, it's the same thing if you, you, know, you read a series of books and then you, you go on to you know, the future adaptations of it. Uh, it's just something about it, it's difficult to catch the same magic twice. Now, if that's possible, uh, you know, that would be great. But I'm not going to be the person who buys it day one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to have a natural kind of healthy skepticism about that and you know what would that put me in a place where maybe i would have some i don't know opportunity cost or fomo if you will uh perhaps but also for me you know in my old age i'm 
a little bit more cautious about, <laughs> you know, <laughs> my feelings, if you will. And uh, being disappointed is to me is so much worse than not knowing, I guess. <laughs> oh, I no, I think that's fair. And I like that. Yeah. Knowing that it's a disappointing reality versus it just not existing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Non-existence might be preferable there. Um, Ignorance I is think, bliss. Yeah. I think I'm with you there. Considering how different Cross is to Trigger. Um, at this point, I mean, and they came out much closer together in time. At this point, if there was a new game, this is decades removed. Right. Guarantee that a third Chrono game would not be like Cross or Trigger at this point. Uh, uh, even if you could manage to get, you know, Hironobu Sakaguchi and y- Yuri Horji and um, and Akira Toriyama and Yasunori Mitsuda and all these people together again to form this dream team. Um, they're different people now, you know. Right. They they've they've gained what twenty years of experience, twenty five years of experience since. So, yeah, I'd also be pretty skeptical. I don't think that we need sequels for everything. Um, I agree. There's kind of a I like to say sequelitis. Uh, it, <laughs> you know, it's almost like jumping the shark. Where oh, you yeah. you add a character to save a franchise, um, you add a game to save a franchise. Um, Chrono Trigger and Chrono Cross are both great games, and I think that they can remain great games in a closed circuit and in a closed universe. And there needs to be no future intervention. Now, like you started off your answer with, we are seeing a lot of remasters and remakes. Um, I would I would be down for a remaster, maybe even a remake, as long as it's not like a rehaul and they decide to release it in episodes over the course of 10,000 years (laughs) and charge you full price for each episode, you know, and add to the original story. Anyways, um, if, if it was just, you know, a straight up remaster, I'd be down for that. That'd be pretty cool. I think it'd be fun to see it from a different perspective. Yeah. You know, and what what system did you play this on? Did you play on Super Nintendo? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's a that's a great version. I never played it on DS, but apparently there's extra content in DS that kind of right. ties it to cross. Um I'd like to experience that, but I'm not gonna play it on no DS and cramp my giant hands up. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, seeing that would be pretty cool. But let us know, listeners, if you would like a future chrono series entry what would you even call it chrono shattered chrono break i don't know they try to go for like a breaking of the timeline thing (laughs) so let's jump before we jump into characters let's jump across the timelines do you have a favorite timeline favorite Uh, era i'm gonna say uh what's the term i I, they've got different names for it it's what's twelve thousand. So that's um, an- antiquity. Antiquity. I like that. I Twelve thousand BC. A nice. There's a, a nice contrast between you know the earthbound folks and those who live in the sky, and uh, I think visually it's very beautiful. Oh yeah. Uh, and I also kind of like the idea behind it, where it brings in the the concept of say a corrupt leader who you know is kind of the absolute or power absolute power corrupts absolutely mm-hmm. uh, that kind of thing. And uh, to me, it's also it contains a lot of story elements to it. You, you find out a lot more about Magus during there. There's there's sections about the timeline. Labos itself is 
is much more of a prevalent scary character throughout the entire thing and you know so there there's a lot of elements to it that i i really like and and if you just want to go by visual appeal i also think it's definitely the prettiest oh yeah the The kingdom of zeal yeah and antiquity so Mm -hmm. it was uh 65 million bc prehistory Mm-hmm. 12,000 BC antiquity, 600 AD the Middle Ages, uh, 1,000 AD the present, and 1999 the apocalypse, uh, 2,300 AD in the future. Thank goodness we're not there yet, or I'd be yeah anxious all over again. Uh, and infinity, the end of time. Uh, the end of time might be my favorite. Uh, time period because I really like the kingdom of zeal that's my favorite part in the game but I don't exactly like mucking around in the dirt with all of the barbarians at the bottom in the the ice age Um, but the end of time has like this elegant Victorian London kind of quality with the old man standing under the lamppost there's nothing there uh, so it's not like it's like a huge world it's more like a hub um, where you can jump to the other time periods but it's just a fascinating to me, it's just a fascinating idea. Like, what is the end of time? Uh, obviously, there's still, like, you know, progression of events there. So it's not really the end of time. Mm-hmm. But maybe it's a time after which nothing significant could ever happen again. Uh, yeah, which is, like, psychologically horrifying. <laughs> um, but it, what I really like about antiqu- antiquity, though, and I was thinking about this today, is there's a lot of uh, sort of like Roman Empire vibes there to me. For uh, sure. You sort of have like a caste system. Um, you have sort of like, again, I use the word barbarian, so that kind of gives it away um, earlier. And then you've got uh, this dynastic um, imperial rule uh, mm-hmm. of the Zelians. Um, you have sort of this intense focus of learning magical learning but still sort of learning in this central place and then of course there is the fall of zeal itself and that that fall of of this highly advanced civilization is felt for the next several thousand years um it's felt throughout the timeline and that's our timeline as well i mean roman empire falls we're still feeling like you know results of roman empire so we're like people (laughs) yeah Was it Archimedes? I saw like a documentary where they're like, oh yeah, Archimedes had a steam engine. Or like, <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> and and they lost it. You know, the Alexandrian uh, library. And they lost it. And then like only now we're like, oh yeah, electricity? Wow. <laughs> you know? So stuff like that. I just think, yeah, there's a lot of really really cool things but all the timelines one of the things that's really cool about this this game is all the different timelines and how different they are from each other for sure but you still kind of get a sense of the evolution of things that take forever not just biology but civilizations and topography geography you know Mm -hmm. you're like that's the mountain where later on they're gonna build the kingdom of guardia and you can see it in the distant past so yep. very cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the big draw, of course, is the characters, mm. the characters. So I definitely wanted to run through the playable characters here with you. Okay. Uh, talk a little bit about their names. I jotted down some notes. Talk about <laughs> uh, favorite characters. And then, believe it or not, the first thought that I had this morning when I woke up is 
I wonder if there's any reason why they decided to attach certain magical elements to certain characters. Hmm. Like, is there a reason why Luca is fire, Marley is ice, Chrono is lightning, Magus is shadow, um, Robo, or uh, not Robo, Frog is water, and Robo and Ayla are, of course, uh, non-magical. That makes sense, because right. one was, Ayla, the cavewoman, was born before magic was invented. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Robo is, of course, as his name suggests, <laughs> a robot, so he can't use magic. Well, um, technically, I think he uses techs that use shadow, if you remember. Correct. They do shadow damage right. uh, tech. Technically, uh, <laughs> they're not magic, but they do certain, yeah, like he's got like that disco light show ability yep. um, that, that, does, that does that whole thing, shadow damage, so... Uh, so anyway, we'll start off with uh, Chrono. Chrono, C-R-O-N-O. Uh, in Japanese, apparently it was the actual word, uh, the time prefix, Chrono, with an H. So they just dropped it for the English language. Um, at this time, uh, during translation, apparently they, they really had to squash things because English characters took up more space than gotcha. Japanese characters, so they had to shrink certain things. See um, hmm. Secret of Mana for that. Um, right yeah so but chrono is lightning and i was like okay so you have this character who like exemplifies the game i mean the game's called chrono trigger right and the ca- the guy's name is chrono like he represents this concept of time why is he lightning like is there question. anything that you could think of the only thing that comes to mind that would be uh, just basically a joke would be uh, his spiky hair is a result of static <laughs> electricity. <laughs> so there seems to be a buildup of that. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, usually when you think of characters, it's the uh, standard elements, right? You know, fire, water, earth, right? When it uh-huh. comes to JRPGs, where their focus is on those things. So to have him utilize lightning is an interesting one. Yeah, it's a little unusual. Uh, oh, right. Maybe it's because lightning and clocks both strike. Interesting. Uh, I don't know. Fan theory. Okay. So, (laughs) (laughs) and Chrono's kind of this weird dude. He's like, you know, a redhead. He wields a katana for some reason. Right. Um, But he's... He's a teenager. Yeah, he's a teenager. His mom's like, all right, son, here's your sword. Go out and go to the fair. (laughs) That's, yeah, a little strange. But, the um, one thing I will say, too, about the katana is after the trial, uh, you think they would have taken it away from him when they put him in jail. Just a thought. <laughs> yeah, you would think so. Um, here's another thought that I had literally just right now. Um, okay. It seems like there are a lot of Zelda games um, that start out with a character sleeping. Mm-hmm. Um, Breath of the Wild. Link's Awakening, huh? Uh, Zelda 2, Princess Zelda was asleep. Um, a Link to the Past. Um, anyways, lots of Zelda games. Now, the very first words in Chrono Trigger, uh, wake up, Chrono, good morning, Chrono. I think it's good mm-hmm. morning, Chrono. So this idea of the protagonist waking up to start the story is, I think, some kind of significant... Uh, trope cliche is maybe too light of a term. Um, there might even be some kind of metaphor there for why does waking up start the story, but I, I, I don't want to get too 
crazy about that. I can give you some of my opinions. Oh, go on ahead. This, uh, yes, please. So I think that what this is is to represent for you that this is a dream as a player. Uh, so you are in a dream world, uh, interacting with that world. And in fact, one of the things that they do in this particular game is they refer to it as an entity is the reason that we found all these things. And yes. an entity can't be Lavos. So I think what that does is they're hinting at the entity is you. Mm. So okay. it's like a fourth wall break. Kinda. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Earthbound. Mm-hmm. You wake up. At the start of the game, and when you get to the end of the game, you find out that your prayer, uh, Paula's prayer, when you're fighting Gigas, or Gigas, uh, can reach the player that you're in the game, but you're as a separate entity. I'm so yep. glad you brought up the entity. I I, <laughs> I brought it up last time when I was talking with ABXY. I think he he wasn't sure um, what it was, or he didn't recall it. You know, it's been a while since a lot of us have played this. Um, sure. And it's to be fair, it's one of the things that's barely mentioned in this game at all. Mm -hmm. um, but to me, it's a really fascinating idea. This idea that uh, the characters themselves theorize that there's an external entity that's manipulating kind of the timeline, opening up all these different gates and allowing these events to unfold. So the entity, maybe. Who knows? Um, and to me, that was a profound thing where it, it kind of made the gears turn. So that's yeah. why, to me, it was such an such an important aspect. I mean, and you could attribute this to many things. I took it as it was me. You could attribute it to it, you know, some kind of deity or something like that too. Mm -hmm. But it's that's the beauty of this game is that it allows you to interpret. It doesn't mm -hmm. tell. It doesn't have to force answers your way. It allows you to paint the picture on your own. And there's a lot of mystery in Chrono Trigger just oh, yeah. itself. Like, yeah, uh, I remember the first time I finished it, I was like, where the heck did Scala go? <laughs> like and I thought I thought until I bought the strategy guide I thought that you could find her like I thought right. that was one of the main quests still to do and the fact that you couldn't I was like Mis mysterioso um, <laughs> so yeah next character uh, this is I say Marley you say Marl is that correct Marl yeah, Marl. Marl so the E is silent um, mm -hmm. Let's just call her Nadia because that's <laughs> way, <laughs> way easier. Her her uh, given name, her birth name, Nadia. Um, now this may share some some light on pronunciations, but in Japanese, her name is Maru hmm. or Marl. I believe Marl is the DS version, and the original version was Maru. Um, and then I think it was something like for Nadia, it's a uh, Marudia. Um, <laughs> so you kind of have a lot of similarity there. Um, I don't know why they would have changed it all. Maru is an a better name than Marley to my to my estimation. Um, sure. But Marl or Marley um, comes from an old English word that means pleasant wood. Um, I think that that's probably just indicative of um sort of where her kingdom is you know it's in the right. center of that forest you get that great secret of the forest uh song um and then nadia is a word that means hope so hmm. um she's the character that sort of becomes the initial focus in the game she's sent back through time and you have to go back and rescue her so there's this concept of of you know um having hope that you're going to save her and that sort of thing so uh, she is ice, though, is her right. element. And honestly, I dude, 
came up with that question, why are the why are the elements? I have no idea. Ice? Why? Right, and, and the funny part is you've already got a character that uses water, so you got Frog, who's already yeah. there. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, Ice is just a representation of it. It's, it's, still, it's still basically water, right? Right. Uh, so it's the same attacks. It's just one's frozen, one's in a different <laughs> yeah. state of matter. Yeah. They yeah. should have had Robo be steam, and you would have had the there whole collection. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, that would have totally worked, too. So that would have. Oh, Darn it. Let's get a time Missed machine and go back, punch <laughs> Hironobu Sakaguchi in the face, and be like, you're making Robo steam, bro. <laughs> Pull uh, up to him and be like, we got Epoch. We're going. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So for the next character, I actually do have an answer as to okay. why they went with fire. So this is Luca, and yep. she has a last name. Um, it is a, one of the few characters that are playable that has a last name. Uh, her last name is Ash Tear. Um, <laughs> Luca Ash Tear. Um, now Luca comes from um, loose. Uh, which is sort of a root word for a lot of words. Uh, lumens, luminescence, uh, Lucifer, uh, Lucilia, <laughs> all that stuff that have to do with light, right? Like Lucifer is like light bearer as a name. Yep. Um, yep. And so Luca comes from this this idea of light. Now, she was also a fire element character, right? Um, yep. Side note, I had a crush on Luca when I first did played you? this. I did, yeah. <laughs> it's weird. I've mentioned this so many times, but I'll never get tired of mentioning it. Uh, <laughs> Luca had a crush on her because I thought she had nice legs, even though they were only like eight <laughs> pixels in total. <laughs> Just you know, call me call me That's a swine, awesome. but I was a twelve-year-old that had a crush on Luca. So anyway, <laughs> um, so this idea of light. Um, mm-hmm. Light obviously reveals and darkness conceals. Um, so light has been portrayed as this this idea of learning, right? Enlightened um, is to learn or to educate or to have things revealed to you. She's obviously a very learned character. But then you right. also have fire. Fire, I think, has historically been depicted in literature as sort of the origins of science. You can't have civilization. You can't have science right. without fire um so i think the combination of those two things obviously fire gives off light um but light and fire in luca she's a great character one of my favorite characters oh, yeah. in this game yeah absolutely yeah i love luca um but uh yeah ash tear kind of makes you think again the fire thing and the whole thing that happened with her mother that she is later later yeah, I was, able to i was just about you know. to say uh you know that obviously is a is a call to the fact that her mom's in a wheelchair right mm-hmm. yeah uh, and that you find out later, of course, that it was a result of an accident, but uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Man, they were really foreshadowing on that one. <laughs> they were, yeah. It was like in your face. You're like, Luca, Luca Ashtier. I don't even know if they mention Ashtier in the game, though. Um, yeah, I mean, it's probably in the strat guide for you. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Or like concept art, yeah. Uh, next character, this is a fan favorite. Uh, Frog, a.k.a. Glenn. Somebody was like, how dare you name him Frog? I was like, the game told me to. Right. And that's what he is. So just embrace it. Okay, Frog Glenn. Uh, in in Japanese, his name was Keru, uh, which is apparently a play on words in Japanese. Um, it can mean both frog and to change or to transform. So there's uh. a play on words there. Um, the wielder of the Masa Moon, uh, his name... 
Glen comes from um, the word, I'm not going to say it. It's G-L-E-A-N-N, Glen, or something like that, which means valley, where we have the modern word Glen with one N to mean right. a valley. Um, but as far as the, the, Master Mo- uh, the Masa Moon whole thing, with Frog, I was kind of thinking of this today. He kind of reminds me of Aragorn a little bit. And the reason being is because he's got this sword that's broken. Uh, And I remembered this scene in the book, The Lord of the Rings, when Aragorn is at the Inn of the Prancing Pony uh, with Frodo and the team. And uh, he reveals himself, you know, as Strider. And in the book, which is, is, go ahead. No, I was going to say that's an interesting take on this as well because he's obviously known by two very distinct names, Strider mm. and Aragorn. So, <laughs> and Strider, Strider is what he is. He strides. And Frog right? is what he is. He frogs. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, he frogs? He frogs. In the book, <laughs> in the book uh, I believe, Aragorn pulls out the sword and it's the broken hilt of Narsil. The and shards so, of Narsil. Yeah, yes. and so he just pulls out the in front of Frodo. Obviously, they didn't do. I think Peter Jackson said we didn't do this for the movie because that would be comical. You have like this, you know, tense <laughs> scene, and this man pulls a sword out, and it's like broken right in in front of the hill. You'd be like, dude, your sword is jacked up. Um, but it was supposed to be this idea of the the heirloom, the sense of of uh, the power and the significance of this item, even though it's ruined. And so, same thing with Frog Glenn. You kind of have he's the wielder of the Masa Moon, but the the Masa Moon isn't in the state uh, that it needs to be in. Um, mm-hmm. This one shouldn't be too hard, but Frog's element is water. Why? Right. He's an amphibian, right? Oh yeah. There you go. So never call <laughs> now, him. Never call him Toad. Frog. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't. I don't refer to to him as Toad because of another Super Nintendo game, uh, which is uh, talks about uh, Cloud. Help me. Uh, not cloud. Uh, Fox, help me! Oh, <laughs> I'm going it's down. Slippy Toad. Oh. I hate Slippy Toad. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's interesting. Uh, another thing, another pronunciation thing. You refer to it as the Masamune, and I w- refer to it as the Masamune. Okay. Uh, Apparently, because... it's Masamune. Is okay. There we go. Okay, but I'm not gonna say that. I'm just gonna say okay. <laughs> I played this since I was twelve. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I was more familiar with the concept because of the uh, like ancient Japanese sword maker that's really well known. Now, right. I'm not great at pronunciation, but I always re- refer to it as Masamune. Yeah. So that's interesting. That's interesting. yeah. Now I'm I'm pretty sure that's how it's pronounced because moon uh, as like U N E is one sound. Is I think it more of a Western uh, linguist idea than sure. than Japanese. But I think it's Masamune. If you're Japanese and you're listening to this for whatever reason. <laughs> <laughs> Let us know how it's pronounced, please. Um, but yeah, water. He's a frog. Okay? Right. There you go. So uh, my favorite character next, uh, Robo, a.k.a. R66Y, a.k.a. He's got three names. Prometheus. Yes. Obviously, they could not name him Prometheus because I think you had like a five-character <laughs> limit <laughs> for character <laughs> names. So... Um, but yeah, named Prometheus. You remember Prometheus from Greek class? Oh yeah, and took an entire class on Greek mythology. So Prometheus and I are, are good friends. Oh nice, yeah. So the the dude that was like, "Hey, Zeus, fire is cool, and we're gonna steal it for humanity." And correct me if I'm wrong, 
he got punished, right? Oh yeah, and he got, like uh, had to eat... strapped to a rock yes. for a while. Yeah, yeah, and had his entrails eat it, eaten out, or it was his liver or something like that eaten out. Yeah, by crows every day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's like straight up. Screw Zeus, man. Zeus was a jerk. <laughs> he was just like yucking around, gallivanting as a heifer with like nymphs and human women all the time, cheating on his <laughs> wife. And then some guy was like, hey, I took your fire. And he's like, I'm going to torment you for <laughs> an indefinite period of time. Yeah. Like, what, a, what a punk. Anyways. Anyways. So with, with Robo, um, I would always rename him R66Y because I think Robo is – too on the nose, maybe. Right. Yeah. I, it's 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 a little cop out ish, right? <laughs> yeah. At least like, uh, we, we ran out of names. Somebody spoiled it around. Uh, what's the first thing that comes to mind? He's a robot. Robo. Okay, we'll robot. go with that. We'll go with that. Oh, uh, there you go. <laughs> um, yeah, because it's like frog. Like that's what he is. Yeah. Sure. But on the second playthrough, you always rename him Glenn. Of course. But you can't, like, I, I think once I named Robo Promo for Prometheus, <laughs> I was just like, now nah, i got to put up with this for this whole playthrough. Um, so instead, I just did R66Y. Um, Which I find funny, because when you name him R66Y, it's like, oh, that's a great name. Your other name was Crap. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Or, and he introduces himself, right? He's like, my name is R66Y, yeah. And then, yeah, exactly. Luca's like, I can't name you that. But we're going to name you that. Um, dialogue. So uh, I thought of two things: um, Frankenstein, the modern Prometheus, um, mm-hmm. sort of the idea of this artificial being. That's kind of what uh, Robo is, and then the yeah. idea of siding with humanity against the gods. Uh, Robo sides with the teenagers against Lavos, against his own race, the other robots, against the Mother mm-hmm. Brain. You find out later on, Mother Brain is this futuristic entity that wants to wipe out all humanity. And Robo's like, uh-uh, girl, ain't going to happen because <laughs> I'm Prometheus. Stole the fire. Dude, stole think... the fire. This just dawned on me. Two seconds. Okay, he stole the fire. Luca is the fire. He stole <laughs> Luca's heart because, again, Luca right. and Robo are tight throughout this game. For sure. Yeah, okay. A- except at the end where she's just, you know, well, she cries, right? But... Uh, yeah, I guess. I guess yeah, they're, they're... I, at first because she's like he has to go back to his old time, uh, and then she starts to cry. But yeah, you're right. Yeah. she she's definitely she she loves this this inanimate object. Oh, yeah. She was in his <laughs> head, dude. Like literally yeah. tinkering around with it. like that kind of intimate tinkering around with his brains, his circuits does not happen with any other closest thing to a love story in this game. What were you gonna say? No, and I said that with Robo's character, I like it a lot because it speaks to uh, I think when you were younger. Growing up, uh, being a part of traditions and things like that. And then, you know, we all, I think, go through a similar experience where we decide to either stay with a path or change. And I think a lot of us make that decision to to maybe go against tradition or go against uh, what is expected of you uh, because you feel it's though it's right or it, it makes it represents you as a person more. And it's profound to me that that that's what this robot does, even though, I mean, it's it's a. It's a great way for you to introduce a bunch of combat, and I think that that's what it's a part of. Yeah. But later on in the game, when his girlfriend shows up, uh, what's her name? Uh, Is it Atropos? Atropos, something like that. Right. She shows up, and her memory has been wiped, and he realistic he has he has to fight her mm. in order for her to to better understand. Then he ends up like killing her, basically. But uh, right. 
uh, hashtag spoilers. Yeah, that's <laughs> <what>. <laughs> Somebody's like, they ruined Atropos for me. Uh, but again, it, to me, that that's that's hit home really, really well. And the same thing with like, you know, there's certain aspects of other characters, like Glenn, for example. Uh, the name even talks about his deepness in there and the experiences mm-hmm. that you have as a kid. Uh, standing up to, to what's right or standing up to somebody who, who may be threatening you. So... I think all of these characters have a lot more to their their story than than face value, but uh, I res- Robo resonates with me quite a bit. Yeah, definitely, definitely with me. That's the reason why he's my favorite. Uh, he is a pariah. He's an outcast. He is mm-hmm. somebody who chooses to do the right thing, even though nobody else from his kind chooses to do the same thing. So far that he even has to fight his own kind in order right. to do what's right to save an Earth that, from his perspective, is already destroyed. I mean, wh- who cares? And, um, well, yeah, that's a, that's too big of a question. If they defeated Lavos in the past, does Robo cease to exist? <sighs> who knows? That's a tough one. They, they tell you what happens to Prometheus and Cross, but not going to get into that. That's some confusing <laughs> crap right there. Um, okay, next you've got Ayla uh, in Japanese. Uh, E-I-R-A. Ayla. Era, something like that. Um, well, in Japanese, R's and L's yeah. are a uh, different sound. It's a, uh, like a, a rolled L, but yes. Yeah. Era. Uh, in her language, Ela means I fire. I thought that was interesting because it's sort of self, mm-hmm. self-realization, self-identification, the start yep. of, of intellect and self-awareness. And she's mm-hmm. the earliest, uh, she's from the earliest human race that, um, that you encounter. So other than that, I didn't come across any etymology for her name. Um, mm-hmm. And as we know, she also has no magical capabilities. Um, do you have any thoughts on Ayla? Uh, interesting character. For one, it's hilarious to watch somebody stream the dialogue that she has. Because uh, it's <laughs> obviously broken English, right? Yeah. It's, it's very much caveman talk. Uh, yeah. But I like her in the sense that uh, if so... All right, Glenn is me nowadays. Uh, Robo is me in my teen years, and Ayla is me when I think I was young. Mm. Right when you you know <laughs> the world was your oyster, and you know maybe you were a little bit more aggressive than you needed to be at times. But <laughs> uh, you know it's still like almost like an optimistic view, right? Where she's always under the impression that that she's going to beat the reptile or reptites, and she's always under the impression that. Uh, you know, things are going to go well. And in fact, even when things are going badly, she doesn't really react to it. She's just like, oh, you sad. That's not good. Yeah. You know? <laughs> right. right. It's almost like pure innocence. You know, right. like like if you think about it, like mankind in its earliest, most primal form, you might think mm-hmm. of that as sort of violently animalistic, sort of 2001 A Space Odyssey intro kind of thing. Or you might think of it in this sense of someone who just lives perfectly happily with nature with their surroundings nothing bothers them like again you said optimistic um i like mm-hmm. that they made all the different characters sort of speak slightly differently from different timelines that is you know so yep um or frogs kind of an old english yeah sound which i guess yeah. they removed in the ds version is what i read today like what the heck is up with that stupid all right. It's supposed to be a knight. You know? Yeah. Well, then the question arises, why does nobody else talk like that from his era? But why is nobody else a frog from his era? 
Don't ask <laughs> stupid questions. <laughs> All right, now we got uh, Magus, aka Which... Janus. Which, which is an interesting character because yes. it's an optional character. Yes, and if I think if you played this blind the first time, you would not have him as a playable character. Yeah, because you kind of got to go out of your way to get him, right? Well, and not only that, he he asks, "Do you want to fight?" And your instinct in an RPG is hell yeah. Yeah, you're like right? you're like <laughs> right. You tell him no, he flies away. You're like, dang it, you know? Right? Yeah. I gotta fight this guy again when he's stronger. You know? <laughs> yeah, and you already had a throwdown with Magus in his castle earlier, so there's kind of bad blood between you guys. You know, mm-hmm. um, well, and you saw what he did to, you know, Cyrus and uh, what he did to Glenn. Uh, so you already kind of hate him, right? Right. And to that point, so other games that you play, like for example, Final Fantasy VII, you can pick up a character in which you fight. Uh, so Yuffie or Yuffie, or d- depending on how you pronounce it, you can pick her up. But uh, you don't really hate her until she's in your party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's still your material like a punk. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then it gives it back but tells her dad that she's going to steal it again. Yeah, so. this, is, this is like, you know, I, one of the main antagonists joining oh, yeah. your party. Like, I just thought that was the coolest thing in the world. And I think and, I learned about it um, as a schoolyard secret. Somebody in my class was ooh. like, did you know that you can have Magus join your party? And I was like, no. And then he's like, he told me how to do it. I went home and did it. I was like, oh, my goodness. That's crazy. <laughs> and he's a crazy good uh, magic user. Yeah. Insane. Insanely Absolutely. good. So yeah. having him on your team is is paramount to your success. Yeah. Especially if you're going to be going after Lavos early. Yeah. What were you going to say? I think I interrupted you. No, it's fine. Um, so one of the things I'll say too is that there are other final or there are other Squaresoft games as well that allow you to take on a big time main antagonist uh, like Final Fantasy IV. You pick up Golbez because you find out that he's possessed by the evil entity of you know. Zamoris or whatever the heck it is, uh, and <laughs> just for lack of a better pronunciation, <laughs> yeah. sneezing uh, a tissue—that's how they came up, right? With basically, <laughs> but again, it's you forgive him because he he was possessed mm-hmm. by this thing. Where Magus, you get to understand him a little better, right? Definitely, and showing him or showing the player him when he was young as Janice, sort of this sheltered. Um, but very bratty royal child, mm-hmm. um, aloof and all that sort of thing. Um, but somebody who had experienced tragic loss in the past, they make him a sympathetic villain, essentially. Right. But I think right. they do it in the right way, where they prevent, present him as the villain first. And um, I was talking to somebody who was saying that, yeah, when I played it, I thought the game was over when you fight Magus. I thought that he was, was the last boss in Magus right. Castle. Um, I was just like, oh, I mean, yeah, going in blind, you might think that. Um, but the game ends up sympathizing him much toward the future. And mm-hmm. so you kind of get a better understanding of who he is, what he's been through, what he wants as far as vengeance and finding his sister again. Um, but Magus comes from the word magi, uh, of course, mm-hmm. magic. Um, and then Janus, uh, another Greek or Roman, I think Janus was. Uh, God of time, beginnings, and gates. So very, very, very appropriate name. For sure. Um, Janus, I think, was also a double-faced 
God, a God of two faces, one that looked toward the past and then one toward the future. And so you definitely have that in Magus as somebody who comes from a different timeline than when you first encounter him in the Middle Ages. He's actually right. from antiquity. So uh, Magus, of course, used shadow magic. Um, mm -hmm. Really not a stretch to imagine why he's sort of the dark arts sorcerer. Uh, he wields a yep. scythe for crying out loud. Come on. So <laughs> obviously. Um, let's see. And to expand upon kind of the things that we've been talking about, kind of the, the, the deeper end to it, I think that he's an example of, as an adult, a lot of times we, we take a look at our hidden assumptions and realize that we're wrong. Hmm. And it's okay to say that it's, it, you made a mistake about someone. I don't know how many times I run into that on a, on a personal basis where you run into somebody at first and your first impression of them is that they're not somebody you want to be around. Mm. And then you get to know someone and it's like, man, I wish I, I would have gotten to know this person sooner or at least understood them. Mm -hmm. Mutual understanding is great as far as people. Mm -hmm. People aren't aren't usually always as black and white as the sorcerer in the tower trying to destroy the world. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> but this actually brings up a question that we got from the sometimes vaguely philosophical mage, AKA Chris from Overthinkery, um, who mm -hmm. asked, is Magus wrong or evil at any point? What do you think? So uh, I think that if you're going to go philosophical, because vaguely is philosophical, I think <laughs> that the idea of evil is a perception uh, so in Magus's mind, I don't think that he ever believed what he was doing was evil. I think that what he was doing was to try to justify uh, an end uh, any way possible mm -hmm. and that he was doing what was right in order to achieve those means. Yeah. So. I think there are two possibilities that I was thinking of for as far as what is what does it mean by evil here? Evil mm -hmm. as an absence of good. Um and then evil as – or an absence or a deviation from what is good. Um, and then evil as far as causing suffering. So whatever causes suffering would be evil. So depending on – again, depending on what school of thought you're coming from or multiple schools of thought. Um, I think that Magus is consumed by revenge. Uh, when you first encounter him – uh, you believe that he was the one who created Lavos. That actually isn't right. true. You discover that he was summoning Lavos in order to kill Lavos, in order mm -hmm. to exact revenge on what Lavos did to his kingdom and his sister. Now, we know because uh, Magus actually does confront Lavos solo at one point in the game and fails that yep. Magus could not beat Lavos solo. Um, so he is summoning an immense power that he can't control at the risk of causing immense suffering in his own time and causing his own self-harm um, because he's blinded by vengeance. I think that is uh, evil. Um, but also he tries to, you know, um, well, you could say he tries to attack your party, but your party does storm his castle. Um, oh, I got it. He... Um, he kills Cyrus and uh, curses Glenn by turning him into a frog. That's straight up causing suffering. So, um, yeah, I would say that Magus is evil or wrong at certain points in the game. Um, he does kind of redeem himself through his actions later in the game, um, mm -hmm. but the game sympathizes with him. Um, you never get an apology from Magus. It's kind of interesting to have Magus and Frog in your party at the same time. Right. But um, there you go. 
Even in dialogue, there's points in which Frog makes comments about Magus, and if he's in your party, it's like, awkward. Yeah. Dude, he's standing <laughs> right there. Okay. How different... This is another question from sometimes vaguely philosophical mage. How different would the game be... Oh, hang on. Okay, before I say that. Okay, so that, that was sort of the causing harm, uh, causing <clears throat> suffering argument for why Magus is evil. And then sort of if you take this perspective of evil being the absence of good... What could Magus have done differently that would have been good? So, like, mm. y you asked, did he need to summon Lavos? Did he need to, um, you know, amass this army of mystics and cause a war um, with the kingdom of Guardia um, for his own game somehow? We don't really know what he gains from the war. Could have just been that the mystics wanted war and he needed their resources. So he's like, yeah, sure, I'll start a war. Um, but obviously the good thing would have been to um, not summon in <laughs> an uncontrollable entity to his own time period and not start a war uh, to further that summoning. Uh, the good thing would have been to sort of uh, come to grips with his tragedy and learn to um, you know help prevent it in the future or uh, – go to like a grieving course i don't know like a counseling class or something but uh anywho anywho so this is another question from the southern sometimes vaguely philosophical mage aka chris from overthinkery how different would the game be with any extra party members or any fewer i think a big success of the game so far and he's someone who's playing it now for the first time oh nice so very cool well, he's going to be the next guest that i have on the third and final episode of the chrono trigger podcast trilogy um and we're definitely going to be talking about nostalgia the nature of nostalgia and playing it for the first time as an adult um but he said a, a big success of the game so far is that every party member feels unique and important although i'm still criminally underusing robo but i think any more <laughs> would be superfluous I'd have been interested to see how things might have panned out differently if Cyrus had been around, though. And maybe he'd have joined the party instead of Frog, who'd presumably still be Glenn. Your thoughts, sir? So that's an interesting concept, is to, if you were to, to kind of flip it on its head. Um, I don't think... So, um, for one, I don't think Glenn would be in your party. I get the feeling that Glenn's, uh, I'll say, courage came as a result of his desire to to take on Magus uh, after he was turned into a frog. So right. I think that he was, he was very much like a squire at that point. Yeah. So I think you would be running, you know, hills deep with Cyrus. Cyrus, I think uh, is very shallow as a character. Uh, so uh, I would, I don't know if I would be a huge fan of that. There's no tragic backstory necessarily to Cyrus, mm -hmm. uh, especially if the, nothing happens to him. Uh, so if, however, uh, you know, there was a change in the timeline in which, you know, you could chrono trigger Cyrus to. Dude, that would have been all those. <laughs> right. Imagine. Wow. Right. So maybe, you know, the, the old man at uh, the end of time says, here's another one, go get Cyrus. And to see how he reacts to the changes in how Glenn is. And, and uh, you know, I think that would be an interesting change to the the, the narrative right but you definitely could not have had frog or glenn as a person as far as what he is in the game his personality would be entirely different without the catalyst of cyrus death uh right. at all as far as um fewer or more characters take a look at this link that i just sent you all right let's click on this bad boy 
Spoilers, it's a virus. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I just got to redirect notice on this. (laughs) (laughs) So these are are all the playable characters in Chrono Cross. Holy crap. Yeah. Uh, I like a lot of things in Chrono Cross, but I, there are characters in that game that I never used once. Like one of them is is like a pink dog. Like what the crap, dude? And post bowl or something. Yeah. It's, yeah. And th- so, and there are so many characters. Obviously, the game can't focus on them. One of the great things yeah. about Chrono Trigger is the side quests and the storyline is very much character driven. They're character mm-hmm. focused. But in Cross, you kind of get the reverse. You kind of get so many characters that like there's a guy who's just like what is that a luchador like a Mex- mexican wrestler like i was just about to say that you got a luchador yeah like for no reason <laughs> one guy's like a chef one guy's like an alien like a martian straight up like there's, there's groot who's right there as well yeah there's just there's so <laughs> one guy's a voodoo doll and what after you get him like there the game doesn't care about him at all it's just like <laughs> it's just a body but these characters are so like all of their magic and their abilities are so similar to each other. Uh, magic you could you could allocate however you want, but they all have sort of special attacks. They're just really similar. So I think that the beauty of having a small playable cast. What is that? Um, seven characters in Chrono Trigger. Six if you mm-hmm. don't choose Magus. Is that right. uh, each one kind of represents a different timeline beyond uh, Chrono Marley and Luca, who are all from the present. But then you have got Frog representing the Middle Ages, Robo representing the future, Ayla representing um, the prehistory, and then Magus representing antiquity. Um, you've got you know that that whole thing covered there, and so there's a, a great, interesting kind of differenti- differentiation between them. So I think that adding more characters or taking characters away would have been a mistake. The story mm-hmm. is so closely tied to the characters that you could not remove a character from Chrono Trigger without uh, mangling the storyline, I think. And what's what's tragic to me is that sometimes your least favorite portions of the game bring on the best characters. I hate the, the future. That, yeah. to me, is just like a, such a sludge. Oh, yeah. Uh, and especially the, the freaking bike race, which, I, and it's fun, <laughs> yeah. it's fun, but it's, it's, there's, the controls on it are awful. So, oh, yeah. But, but Robo comes out of that, yeah. so it's, it makes it totally worth yeah. it. Plus, then you get to see Johnny. Johnny's so bad. <laughs> Johnny the racing robot. Okay. The, the racing tricycle the racing robot. Tricycle <laughs> robot. So uh we only briefly touched on some NPCs, but there's so many in this game. They're lovable. Sure. Yeah, we're not gonna dwell on those. Uh let's close out with some audience questions off of Twitter. Okay. This is from ABXY Reviews, aka the ABXY Mage, who asked quite simply Frogger Glenn. So again, this is sort of the question of uh the first time you encountered Magus, what did you do? Mm. Did you did you choose Magus or did you choose to save Glenn from being Frog? So uh, the first time I rolled it with the uh, the guide that I was using, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, chose Magus. Oh yeah, <laughs> Na- find me one person who knows what that sequence is and chose Magus over Frog. I mean, I like Frog, but having a a whole playable character over fixing one dude's problem, who cares? 
Uh, right, and the funny part too is if you beat, if you defeat Megas, uh, you get the same prize as if you get Meg or you keep Megas because it's the same accessories. So, yeah. there you go, there you go. Okay, were there any party members you each used more often than others? Lefts often. Why? This is from Critz McCritz on Twitter. So for me, my usual party uh, was typically Chrono, Frog, and Merle. Okay. Uh, all right, and so what I would do is utilize Chrono, of course, for his awesome tech abilities and his legit magic. Uh, same with Frog, but Frog actually had a, a gr- especially earlier on in the game. Uh, Ice Water is a really cheap uh, tech that does a lot of damage mm-hmm. to to all characters, so it was a great combo. And in fact, I don't know if you want to talk about the the techs today too, but. Um, Obviously, uh, Princess Nadia. She's your healer. So for me, that's like if you're playing a you know your typical RPG. Those are your three best yeah, you need a cleric, uh, yeah. options. Yeah. Yep. For me, but oh, go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. I would say my my end party is always Magus, Chrono, Frog. Oh yeah, Magus. Got to use Magus. Uh, my end yeah. party was probably. Uh, Robo Magus Chrono. I think after mm-hmm. Chrono bites the bullet, you could switch him out, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I might have done that. Um, but I really, I I remember playing around a lot with the characters. My most used characters were definitely Robo, uh, and Frog, um, and Luca. Um, um, characters I didn't use too often were like Marley, um, and Ayla. Ayla. Yeah, I didn't use Ayla too much. Yeah. Uh, as I was like, yeah, big attack, but I want to see some flashy magic stuff. Uh, so let's see here. This is from producer BTW. What's your favorite video game snacks? So <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, so so yeah. We, let's not do real life snacks because nobody cares about. Of course, that. I don't even snack when I game anyway because I don't want my controllers to get filthy. So. That's not that. You, you and I snack, are in the same boat. Do you snack in real life when you? No, oh, no, okay. absolutely not. Yeah, of course not. He's not an animal, so just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Like somebody writes me a nasty email for that. Um. Anyways, uh. So favorite in-game snack. I think this was said in that Twitter post, but I think it's it's uh, something to say is that uh, that gentleman's. We'll call it uh, like picnic lunch, right? <laughs> they just steal at the beginning of the game, right? And by the way, first time ever playing it. Uh, like I said, I got to the Millennial Fair, uh, and after jumped into time travel, picked up a a <laughs> a guide. But prior to that, I was going fighting Gato and then grabbing his lunch, oh, yeah. and then go fighting Gato and grabbing his lunch. Game puts it right there, and yeah. All right, so I missed out on a few ethers, but yeah. what a subversion! <laughs> what a subversion of typical RPG ideas. Like in a typical RPG, nobody thinks twice. Uh, nobody bats an eye at an adventurer walking into a house and rummaging through dr- tr- through drawers for every scrap of gold that they can find. You know, nobody cares about that. But in this, it was like, dude, you stole a man's lunch. You're going to jail for that. Yeah, so definitely. Uh, I my favorite. So yeah, the first thing I thought about too was the turkey lunch from that guy. But I'm gonna say my favorite snack was the Enertron in uh, the future, 
where you went yep. inside of it, right? And it did that. And then it said, yeah, HPMP restored, but you're still hungry. So kind of a snack, but not really. You're still hungry. Nice. Which is like most every snack for me in real life. It was like, I just ate an entire bag of Doritos, but you're still hungry. So, uh yeah, I can't. I can't even think of another snack in this game. Can you? Uh, beef jerky is one, and if you give it to the king as a gift, he t- accuses you of trying to kill him due to the high sodium. <laughs> Does he really? I don't remember that yep, at all. Yep. <laughs> Assassination <laughs> attempt. This man handed me a beef jerky. You know what I remembered? Okay, my favorite video game snack of all time. Have you played Breath of Fire two? I've only played the first one. Ah, oh, shucks. Okay, in Breath of Fire 2, there's uh, a kingdom of frogs that speak French. And uh, there's this one part where one of them is like... <laughs> it's so terrible. <laughs> JRPGs don't play. So... Uh, <laughs> So you you uh, you get somebody in your in your party who's a frog, and he's like, "Oh, I'm the frog prince, Monsieur." Oh. Uh, we go to, yeah, we go down to Simefort. I will give you all the frog tour, and so you go down there, and it turns out <laughs> he is an imposter. So they throw him in jail, and, and you're like, "Well, <laughs> crap! I was just adventuring around with with all this," and then the prince that's there is like, "Kindly leave." Um, but the, the, this is a short story, I swear. Um, but your party member's sister comes out and was like, you know, he's the real guy. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to challenge the imposter prince to a cook-off, and you guys are going to help the real prince, your party member, um, you know, say, show that he's the real one by cooking because he's an amazing cook. But since they're frogs... They cook like giant worms and like disgusting, like a roach salad. But the creme de la creme, monsieur, is the golden fly pudding. The gold fly pudding, which to my young mind was not disgusting, was actually like heavenly. Think like to me, it did like a golden pudding. I don't care if there's a fly in it. Like just the, the concept of a gold pudding. So anyway, that's my favorite video game snack. Uh, the gold go. pudding from Death Fire 2. So, long story for a pointless ending. I apologize. Love it. And by the way, uh, BTW is part of uh, Coin Boys. I don't know if you're familiar with yes. them. But, uh, yes. So Shout out to that you for podcast. The question. You folks do, you folks do uh, good work. Also here with Coin Boys Attachment, this is from Sanity Crypto. How many times did you New Game Plus? Ooh. Did you get all the all the endings or something like what? 13 endings, 14 endings. Yeah, there's, I think there's 13 in total. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Most of them do not equal the payoff if that's all you're going for. Mm-hmm. But I don't mind playing through the game because it's a spectacular game. Yeah. So whatever. Uh, but, I mean, there's countless times that, that I've done New Game Plus. Uh, uh, so, I mean, I wish I could put a number on it. I don't think I've seen every single ending but i've seen most of them and like the 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 highlights for me are uh frog goes on a murder quest (laughs) (laughs) uh luca and uh princess nadia have like a hot or not uh slideshow (laughs) where they talk about all the chrono talks right right yeah Yeah. that's weird and and so but they go through the whole thing where they're like uh and by the way they, they think cyber uh, Cyrus is a is a devilishly handsome fellow. Oh, who wouldn't? Um, Dude's name is Cyrus. Come on. And, 
Toma as well, I think, is, is a hottie. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> that was the adventure, uh, the uh, treasure hunter, Toma. Yes. Yeah. Yep. What a putz. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I, all I remember is his mustache. That's all I remember. <laughs> and then, of course, the the dream team. Oh, the dream uh, team. Was, that's the ultimate yeah. one, right? That's if you can beat Lavos with just Chrono. Right. Yeah, right at the beginning. That, that's an amazing. I'm like, I'm talking to Hironobu Sakaguchi right now. <laughs> I'm talking to Nobu. And I'm by the to- way, if you go through all of the, the timelines and stuff, there's somebody who goes, hey, wouldn't Chrono Trigger 2 be awesome? Mm. Way to disappoint. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, with the whole time travel thing that we mentioned at the beginning, really cool idea. And this is the game that uh, invented the new game plus as as a named concept. Um, but it's mm-hmm. perfect for this game because you can play it through, but you can finish the game at so many different intervals. It's not a game that's yep. super linear where you have to go from start to finish. So it's much mm-hmm. less of a drag than some new game plus games that came after where you have to do the whole thing over again. And you're like... Okay, if I have to go through the Thunder Plains one more time, I'm going to throw up in my mouth and then, yeah. Uh, okay, last question here. Would you trust anyone to remake a modern version of Chrono Trigger? Again, from Sanity Crypto. Last question. Ooh. Would you trust anybody? Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll bring it back to what I said before about, you know, redos and remakes and, and further uh, portions of the story uh, I've I've seen authors who have tried to expand out in their universe and do a terrible job with it so when it's even when it's your own baby and you, you can't do it well I, I don't know yeah. uh, to me I, it just wouldn't be weird don't George Lucas Chrono Trigger exactly exactly yeah. <laughs> exactly what I thought of that yeah, I mean, honestly, if tomorrow we woke up and it was like Hironobu Sakaguchi out of retirement from his convalescent home joins forces with Nobu Uematsu and all these other dudes that made Chrono Trigger eh, to make Chrono Trigger Chrono Shattered or whatever you're going to call it, I would be like, I'm pretty excited about that. But <laughs> definitely with a heavy dose of skepticism. Skepticism is good. Always be skeptical. Well,. I think we're at the end of time, and there's nothing here. <laughs> nice. Thank you. <laughs> well done. I wrote that down at the start. Uh, just kidding. <laughs> so thanks for joining me, sir. It was a pleasure to have you on, Ryan. As always, great talking with you. Indeed. Um, too, where man. can our listeners find you? Uh, they can find me at uh, Twitter at RetroGameBrews. Uh, you can find me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash RetroGameBrews. And uh, I'm also a beer mage on uh, thewellreadmage.com. But you're still hungry. Well, that's it for MageCast. The spell is wearing off. But stick around for a promo about another show I know you just love. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. If you liked it, please like, subscribe, and share this episode to help us reach a wider audience. If you enjoy our work, please consider supporting us and our vision for the future of civil gaming conversations with a monthly pledge of any amount at patreon.com forward slash the well-read mage this episode may be over but the legend will live on passed down by the dwarves the elves and the dragons
My name is Katie Cakes, and I am the host of Cake Bites, a podcast adventure through gaming history. I am just inviting you to come along with me on that journey while I interview people who have worked in and around the industry for the last 30 plus years to learn about their experiences and their perspectives to learn more about an industry that is continuously evolving. I hope you guys will join me every two weeks when I release a new episode of the show on all major podcasting platforms. You can learn more about the show at kickbites.com.